I want you to go back to a time when you remember the feelings of your mum or dad showing up. Maybe it was a recital or your hockey game, or being there to pick you up from school. Maybe it was when your heart was first broken, or you wiping your tears after you scraped your knee. I'm Rupesh, and in this first episode of Two Nobodies, Kyle and I focus on presence. We discuss the importance of our fathers always being there and showing up, and how this has shaped us as men and young fathers. The idea of Two Nobodies came from Kyle and I recognizing that there was a greater need on the part of men to be more mindful and vulnerable, embody presence, and display empathy. All of this was challenging the construct of what it means to be a man and a father. We're also seeing more women enter positions of leadership and the need for us as men to be true partners in our relationships. This is undoubtedly becoming a challenge for some men. With the original structures and roles that men occupied being challenged, it got Kyle and I asking about how we can each be better dads in modern times, the importance of having a strong father figure, and what it means to be a man in current society. Our conversations are driven by our curiosity, and while we'll start with fatherhood and masculinity, we won't be limiting ourselves to this. You might be wondering about the name Two Nobodies. Well, it reflects our belief in humility and this principle that we are no better than anybody else and can never judge one circumstance. All we want to do is understand others, share some learnings, and better ourselves along the way. Kyle and I want to thank you for listening in, and we hope you enjoy our chat. Right, Kyle, I, I just I still can't believe that we're we're doing this. I feel like podcasts are were the thing of 2020. I don't know if, is, if this is a really good investment for 2021. I feel like people are going to be eager to not listen to us, but um, here we go. I think we're both like wanting to do something creative and take on a new project. So hopefully we can have some fun with this. Um, yeah. What are your yeah. feelings about this? Do you have any doubts about like us doing this podcast? No, I mean, uh, we kind of talked about how, you know, there's certainly going to be a learning curve. And I think that the first couple, maybe, uh, you know, if we get through 20 episodes after we're done recording 20, we'll go back to listen to one and two. And maybe we'll be slightly embarrassed about how things went or maybe how, how unpolished it was. But I think that it's a great time to do it. And I think that coming out of, well, so we're still in the pandemic, but I think that there's probably never been a thirst, you know, for more information, things to listen to, uh, ways to learn while you're going about your busy life, you know, especially with people at home, um, listening to things maybe more when they're working. And so I think the demand's at an all-time high. I think we're probably going to be the number one podcast here a couple of weeks, I'd imagine. I, see, I, this is why I'm so glad that I'm doing this with you. You're going to drive this to new heights, um, and it's going to be just really great. Um, I'm, before we, I guess, get started, how were your holidays? Um, because it's definitely was a different time and I'm kind of curious cause I, our kids are around the same age, right? Lowell is, is just over two. 
um, and yeah. Avina is, is turn about three, but was he pretty excited about Christmas? Like, what was that like? He doesn't quite get it yet. Uh, he like, there's a tree in the living room. He doesn't understand that. Um, and he doesn't really understand, like he'll say Santa and, you know, we, we, you know, so we sort of explained that Santa Claus comes on Christmas Eve and all that stuff. And that's a tradition that our family has decided to follow, but he doesn't know what that means. And so, uh, he'll just kind of mimic what we say and talk about presents and like Santa's coming and all that stuff. But honestly, Christmas morning, I think he was pretty overwhelmed because like we had three back to back to back zoom calls yeah. and, um, you know, everybody had bought presents for him. Everybody wants a two-year-old to look yeah. into the camera and open the presents and, you know, play with it. But I mean, you know, he has the attention span of a fart right now. And so he, um, you know, he'd open one and like play with it. And um, I don't know, like we try to get him to say thank you. And most of the time he wouldn't do it. And then he just kind of run away. So he was a little overwhelmed, but it was nice. I think that we'll look back at this Christmas and it'll probably be the simplest Christmas that we're going to have in, in years to come. Uh, both our families are nearby. So generally we spend some time at each house and, you know, this year we got up Christmas morning and my wife made a nice breakfast. And um, so it was pretty casual uh, outside of those back-to-back Zoom calls. So I think maybe hindsight will look back and sort of wish that that uh, this simplicity um had kind of lasted through future christmases but in the moment we all felt kind of overwhelmed but how did avina like christmas how did she deal with it uh it uh, sounds like she was maybe more excited than lola was i think uh, oh for sure uh, well she definitely was excited um she we she was she was kind of getting amped up for for a number of weeks like we did the whole uh, advent calendar with the stockings and you know every day she was getting something new so she knew something was coming she got a little spooked by the whole Santa thing. I think she was excited, but as soon as she like realized that I was t- actually taking the milk and cookies to the fireplace, and then she realized that <laughs> some man could be coming down it, I think that, like, I just don't know if that was a really good thing for us to do. Like, I, I, I'm still, I was still, it is a weird concept, um, but uh, she got through it. And and then I have a video of when she came down the stairs and saw the gifts, and her face lit up and. And yeah, yeah it nice. was, it was, it was sweet. It was, it was a really nice experience. Um, but And you're talking, uh, she sort of demands acting of you now. So like, she'll ask you to be frosty. Yeah. Or, uh, so you've got all these voice acting uh, jobs lined up as a side. Well, crew if it's, you need to, you well can, it's like, if I want anything job. to get done, I gotta, I gotta talk like frosty. And it's like the 1968 movie of frosty where it's like, Hey Karen, you know, like that frosty. <laughs> um every time and it's like i can't call her avina i have to call her karen and um then she actually does something or we have all these other imaginative characters so it's just having to be creative all the time but it's kind of fun just because you know you kind of be a kid at the same time too um yeah yeah, yeah. So you are the daniel day lewis of, of fathers <laughs> totally serious like staying in character she has Call you I do. I do think about it all the time as far as how to better my impressions. Yes, um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a different one for sure. I mean, I think we we travel to go see uh, my wife's family and and uh, you know couldn't do that. And I know that sort of you feel that sense of loneliness. And and I was actually going to ask you, like you know, for me, like just sometimes loneliness would creep up, and so you kind of. I felt like I was a little bit different around Avina at times, right? Like just because you kind of needed your own space a little bit more or just needing to entertain yourself because like it was just hard to always entertain your kids. Um, 
So I've, I've, I've definitely had some cha challenges throughout this pandemic about like those feelings of loneliness creeping up. And I feel like Avina experiencing at times the negative side of that. Um, I don't know. Do you, like, did you yeah, feel that I, too at all or? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been like, we've had some weird uh, sort of roller coasters when it comes to, you know, to our headspace around the whole pandemic and being at home, you know, so my, so my wife and I both work from home right now. We've been sent home from our offices due to the pandemic. And, um, you know, we're lucky enough that we have some childcare support, but there are days and there were weeks and maybe even months where we were both working full-time hours and looking after a child, uh, you know, so just kind of trading off work hours back and forth. And we were both really overwhelmed and we felt like maybe we were, um, you know, sort of, half-assing our jobs and then half-assing parenting as well like you were sort of half present in both aspects of that and that was really really difficult and particularly with our son because he's so fun right now and he's getting so fun and he's learning more and he wants to interact more and play and i felt like sometimes i'd be playing with him and it'd be this you know um this like really really important moment or this special moment with him where he's learning to do something or like we're really interacting quite intimately you know for the first time and i'm half thinking about this thing i have to do in an mm -hmm. hour for work or this meeting that i've up and and um we both found that we were just exhausted at yeah. the end of the day and so you're busy 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 but we weren't doing anything particularly well and that was really getting to us and you sort of um with him, we were sort of because he had been going to daycare traditionally, and so he got all these interactions with other kids. And you could see there were days where he would just kind of wander around the house, and he was super mm -hmm. bored. Same uh, thing with Avina, you know. And so we would try to play with him more. Yeah, and but you, you can't really replace interaction with other kids, mm -hmm. other two year olds, three year olds, and you know, for them to learn how to socialize, um, I think is pretty important. And so it. It was hard. It was really hard because we felt like we were sort of doing a thousand things at once, but but, but we were doing them all poorly. Um, so it was a really, really weird headspace to be in. At the same time, like it's been good from some aspects because we've been home with mm -hmm. him during this time where he's really, really developed in a little human and really, really developed his own personality. And he's so fun now. Like we'll play games and he plays jokes on us and we yeah. play hide and seek and he's really, really active. Um, so we're, I, I think that maybe we'll be grateful for the time spent with him and, um, and, and our ability to uh, be so close to him at this age. Cause I know that we wouldn't have been able to do that. Um, otherwise, but f for sure, it's, it's been a really, really, um, tough ride sometimes, bit of a hard road. And we have definitely felt lonely and felt a little isolated at times. Um, so I, I think it's pretty tricky. I don't have you. Have you found ways that you could yourself through that? Because I sort of, I still sort of struggle with it um, when I do start feeling kind of lonely. I have a couple of things maybe I can do, but have you been able to kind of reflect on that and find some mechanisms that sort of help you? Well, my my morning routine is super important. Like I feel like I never sacrifice that. Even like Avina even knows that. Like when she comes down some morning, she'll see me working out and she'll want to play or do something. And I'll say, no, daddy needs his time. And that's just a boundary. And I, and, and it was hard in the beginning um, because she's just super excited to start her day. And, and um, you know, it just in the beginning felt like I was kind of rejecting her or, or neglecting her. But then I really just told myself, like, if I don't have this half an hour or 45 minutes to myself, like, I'm just not going to be, I'm not going to be productive. I'm not going to show up, you know, 
in a meaningful way or with presence and for the rest of her day. Right. So, so that, that was really important, but it was still certainly like, you know, I'm by myself, but that, that was like, I guess there's a certain introverted part of me that just needs to recharge on my own. Um, but I'm also somebody who needs social connection. So like, I loved having you guys over for, for dinner in the early fall. And, um, you know, that was, that was nice. Cause I mean, we hadn't really had anyone over, um, but that was big. Um, and the zoom, zoom and all these, uh, video calls have been fine. Um, and thankfully that technology is around. I think I'm sure everyone feels great, very grateful for that. Um, but it doesn't replace that, um, that in-person connection, at least, at least, at least for me, it doesn't. Um, and then I know for Avina, like she doesn't actually go, she was going to a day home at one point, but then our provider got, um, stuck overseas and, and that kind of complicated things. And, um, so she's home and my mom watches her. Um, and so she, she kind of misses out on, on playing with kids and, and yeah, like, like you described your son, like kind of just wandering around and you're kind of like, wow, I've never seen this before. I didn't think it would happen so soon. Um, so it was, it made yeah. it made, yeah, me, it no, made I, me think though, like, um, you know, I, I think both, both of us have talked about this, like how important it is to be present with our kids. Right. And what that, and, and, you know, I think we both recognize there's a value in that going forward. Um, but it, it just, it, it made me reflect on sort of, um, how hard or how challenging it is or would have been for our parents to, have been present all the time. Right. Or even if they weren't right, like, let's say, like you said, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, maybe presence wasn't so big of a thing. Like, have we been kind of scarred from that? Like, I don't really remember that so much, but thankfully I had a dad who was sort of always there. Um, but that, that definitely, that thought kept crept into my mind. It's like, man, our parents did this like all the time. Like it's yeah. Well, I mean, uh, this seems like a pretty good juncture to sort of um, maybe get into our conversation a little bit. And I, I think maybe you kind of alluded to it um, pretty well there where you talked about your father and sort of the role that he played in your upbringing and, um, you know, sort of what your thoughts are, uh, you know, around um, your relationship with him and your experiences with him. So maybe if you want to just uh, get into that. I, well, I mean, um, thanks. I mean, uh so being from an East Indian culture, like I, I, I um, and I, and I don't want to, there's definitely no generalization here, but, um, just hearing my dad and how he was brought up, like it was very, um, it was a transactional relationship that he had with his dad and, and love was just kind of understood, right? Like you didn't really always express that. And that was the same thing with my dad and I, like there was, it wasn't, there weren't very many times where he actually told me that he loved me but I knew that he loved me. And I think a huge part of why I knew that is because he was always there. Like he was, he never, he never missed anything. He always, um, but he always gave me the space to just, um, you know, do what I needed to do. Like there was a lot of trust there um, that was so important and valuable. Um, and it just gave me so much confidence and respect for him because he didn't, I didn't feel suffocated. He always, he told me this uh, sort of, um, I guess, general philosophy he had when, in, when parenting me, I guess, was um, thinking of me as like a, a plant. He always loved gardening. He found so much of life's lessons in, in watching nature and watching and, 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 and partaking in gardening. And he would just say like, you know, um, when you're, when you're a 
a plant starting off, you certainly need a lot more nurture. You need to make sure you have the right amount of water and the right amount of food and all that stuff. Um, but as they get older, you want to let those roots settle and you want to let them explore and figure out which way the sun is leaning and, and let them strengthen the roots the way they need to be strengthened. Um, and so you need to be present, but if you're over present, then you saturate those roots with water and then the plant fails. But if you're not present enough, then the plant also starts to suffer. So it was like finding that right balance. And I think that's what always is, stands out with me with Avena right now is just figuring out the right amount of balance. It's just like, it's, it's like knowing when to step away, but knowing when to step in. And it's like, it's almost like uh, I find that parenting is is very much analogous to leadership, whether it be in the workplace or somewhere else where you're like working with your staff or, or working with people and knowing when to like push and when not to push and, and just understanding that person. And, and I, my dad did a really good job at really trying to understand me and then, and then figuring out, okay, this is where I need to step in, or this is where I just kind of need to let him do his thing. And, and why I brought the Indian cultures, because just my exposure to, to other family and, 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 uh, and, and, and family friends and people in my in, in the Indian society is there's definitely a hands-on um, approach to that right like of always being involved and, and 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 being very sort of like you know you need to do this these need to be the steps you need to follow and so I didn't recognize certainly that at an early age but when I would talk to family friends and their kids and hearing how their parents would approach them I was like wow that's really different than what my dad um, how my dad treated me. And so I've definitely gained a higher level of respect um, for him um, since being a dad. I mean, it, it's unfortunate that he's not around for me to express that, but I think he absolutely knew that, um, you know, before he passed. Um, but yeah, he's, he was just, uh, that's the way I always think of him is that he was always there. And I, and, and that's something I, I want to always live by but just thinking about the amount of energy required for him to always be there um and to like always answer my questions too no matter what right like just if he was watching something he would just stop what he was doing and he'd be like what what did you ask me or you know just take that time like it's like can i always do that i don't know but um he did and so i just i i love him and respect him like infinitely for that so it's uh, super interesting that you kind of talk about him and you said always there like three times, three or four times. And was, um, it's funny because I, you know, sort of think about what makes a good father and, and uh, why is it important to be a good father? And so I, you know, did some pretty <laughs> in-depth sleuthing before this episode. Uh, I used Google, not sure if you heard of it, but I did. There are pretty undeniable trends when it comes to children who do have a father or male role model who is consistently present. Um, they're caring. They take genuine interest and delight in a child's life. And kids who do have that are less likely to drop out of school or go to jail. They're less likely to take part in high-risk behaviors. They're more likely to have healthy, stable relationships. They're more likely to be physically healthy, so there's lower instances of obesity. They're more likely to be emotionally and mentally healthy. So there's lower instances of anxiety and depression. And they they have higher IQs, even in three-year-olds. And I didn't know that you could conduct IQ tests on three-year-olds, but you can. They had higher IQs 
um, in instances where they did have father figures versus those three-year-olds who did not. And there's a couple of contentious studies that show that's even true in one-year-olds. Kids with father figures are less likely to be aggressive towards others. They have more self-direction and they're generally just less afraid of things. And then in addition to that, so there's, a, there's all these benefits to just being there and showing this interest. But there's also a bit of a mimicking aspect there. So if you are disrespectful towards your partner, well, that'll establish how your kids are likely going to interact with their partners down the road. Or if you're driving and you get about a road rage, children will mimic that and they'll remember that and they think, okay, well, this is how I drive and this is how I treat other drivers. So it's, there are many aspects to being a, a good father and it's being there, but it's also being there in the right well, way. Well, I gotta, um, I gotta say, with the road rage, so- I can't say that my dad is off the hook on that one. There's definitely times where I saw him, like, oh. you know, somebody stops their lights in front of him, and then he'll kind of speed ahead. And um, yeah, I don't know if I have any of that in me, but but I mean, I think I think your point on on just the the stability, at least, I can definitely relate to that. Like, I never never questioned anything, right? Like there was such a consistent pattern of, of him being always there that I felt so grounded and rooted that um, it just raises your level of confidence and you definitely feel a sense of calm. And um, he was a calm person, which which further enhanced that. So um, that, what you're saying, absolutely makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it was sort of staggering. And like, as I was kind of going through this stuff, I was it was nice to, to learn about it, but it's also... Um, it's also a little concerning because, you know, I'm I'm not a perfect individual by any means. And that's, you know, sort of part of why I want to be part of this podcast a little bit was to learn more about how my actions impact those of my children and, you know, how they, um, what I do and how that influences who they might be down the road and sort of get a better handle on it. And um, there's a lot of ways for somebody to, you know, to, to impact what the long-term health of their children looks like. But the biggest indicator and the biggest thing was just yeah. to be there and to give a shit, um, which I think is a, you know, uh, the old adage uh, showing up is is ninety uh, percent, and I, it it seems like there's a lot of data to to kind you, of back that you, up. Um, super. I was gonna say, do you do you stress about it? Like, do you feel like um, because it's really front of mind that you're almost like trying too hard? So I've realized that my wife is this reservoir of patience. You know, she's the cool head in the relationship the vast majority of the time. And I, uh, whether it's my DNA or what it is, I get frustrated with our son much okay. more easily than she does. And so I'm, I'm concerned a little bit. Um, so now that if he sees me getting frustrated and like raising my voice, you know, he might mimic that behavior or like learn that, that that's okay. Or like you talk about your mm-hmm. father, he was a calm guy and that instilled this calmness in you. And I would much rather be instilling this calmness in me. And this is in the back of my mind. Um, you know, but sometimes you're tired Absolutely. and haven't slept and you get frustrated. And so you might overreact to something. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about stressing over it, but certainly I think about it, you know, a lot. And I, you know, you want to, and I, I feel like I'm hard on myself and I feel like maybe a lot of young fathers are. Nobody's perfect, right? And we're all kind of learning how we go about this. But, and I, I kind of always tell myself that, but after the fact, if I raise my voice and I'm going to yell at them, um, mm-hmm. I always feel so terrible after. And it's, it's this thing where I, uh, I'm really trying to wrap my head around that aspect of it. And now with the second kid on the way for my family, you know, now I'm going to have a toddler and this, 
other young baby uh, who isn't sleeping through the night like our toddler is. And so we're going to be short on sleep and maybe high on stress. And so I'm really trying to learn that about myself and, um, you know, sort of instill that calmness in me. Um, so what do you do for like trying to, father. you know, when you recognize that you, you know, may have gone off a little bit too much or you kind of, you know, teetered on a point of where you were less calm than you wanted to, what do you do to sort of bring yourself back? Yeah, I mean, so generally, if I sort of just step away, if I can sort of just step away, that that seems to work pretty well. But I also find that if 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 we're if we show our love physically after, so if, if I hug him mm-hmm. or if we snuggle uh, or if if I try to communicate to him, that really seems to help me kind of walk through it too. So if we sort of establish that like physical uh, relationship again and those physical signs of of love. And then we kind of communicate about it. That seems to work pretty well, at least for me. And we've been teaching him about, you know, because he gets mad all the time. I mean, he's two, right? And so there are all, yeah. all kinds of conflicts. And like, he doesn't want to go outside and, and he gets mad. And then when we want to come inside, he gets mad. And, you know, so we're teaching him too about, you know, calming down and like taking breaths and like, these are your feelings and and uh, you have big feelings. And so I, we, we sort of just try to talk about that mm-hmm. when I can, right? And I've been trying to a little bit more you know sort of do some breathing exercises and sort of gather my mindset and sort of collect my thoughts around it when i can and sort of be more mindful and and be more present i find that i'm when i'm distracted maybe i get a little bit more stressed easily if that makes sense like if i'm 100 percent with him uh all the time and and i'm not thinking about something else in the back of my mind it's it's much easier to sort of see his behavior that's leading to one of these tantrums or you know he's he's hitting now and there's sort of things that you can kind of see that sort of lead up mm-hmm. to that like, like you can see when you pay mm-hmm. attention that he's getting frustrated and um you can kind of conclude where this is going and i find when i'm mindful and, and like when i'm there with him i can i can see those behaviors kind of fulminate and i can see i can see him getting frustrated and i can kind of get out in front of that a little bit but when I'm distracted, like we've been through this pandemic where I'm half thinking about work, um, I probably don't pick up on those cues very well. And so all of a sudden he's mad. Like it, like in my mind, he's gone from being happy, you know, to just live it and to hitting me yeah. and screaming or throwing his toys or whatever. So I think that that, that whole uh, presence. Does, is, uh, is does your son helpful. like gravitate more towards you or your wife? Like when, when he's kind of going through a tantrum and you try to comfort him? It's, it's definitely day to day these days. Like he, sometimes it's me, sometimes it's his mom. His mom is much better at being calm and talking to him about his feelings and sort of walking him through things and, and, and sort of not losing patience. But he's, he definitely has favorite parents, but it changes from day to day. And generally whoever the favorite parent is, is kind of who he'll go to. <laughs> so, um, I'll be playing downstairs with him. And if I'm the favorite and my wife comes down, he'll just say, mommy, leave. Or if my mom's the favorite, he'll just be like, daddy, right. leave. Like, like daddy to go. Because uh, he just wants it. I don't get that, man. There's definitely like a hierarchy in, in the family. Like there's when, when Avina's stressed and she has a tantrum, it's first Michelle. And then, and then it's, and then it's me. And then, and then, you know, she doesn't really go to my mom if she's sort of in that space, but, um yeah and i and i'm i'm the one who's like more um 
like, I guess, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term like love languages. Like for me, like touch is a very important love language for me. So I want to, you know, I want to hold her. I want to um, calm her down that way. But I don't think her love language is, is, is the same as mine. And so there is, I, I think that's, or I don't know if that's already built in or whatever, but there is some, uh, there, this just doesn't work for her. So um, usually when she's in a tantrum, um, I'm not the one is, I'm not the one who is best suited for her to calm her down. <laughs> like it's usually, it's usually my wife. So, um, which, you know, it's like, sometimes I, I always tell myself like, never take this personally. Um, and most of the time I don't, but there's some times where I'm like, well, I'm trying to be really present here. Like I'm really trying to, you know, I'm not trying to push anything. I just want to listen to her, understand her feelings, sort of what she went through, um, even employ the same kind of things that my wife would do, but it just, it just doesn't work. So, um, so I've kind of just ex accepted that and I'm not taking it like a, um, oh, this is going to affect my relationship uh, in the long term or whatever. Cause, cause I know that I know, um, I know I am a good dad and I know that, um, her and I are going to have a great relationship and, and, uh, this part of our relationship, you know, just might not be existent at this moment so sure yeah no i i think that's a healthy kind of long-term view to take no um, and you, you can't take it personally, like right? how could you she's only three so i mean yeah <laughs> um with with uh so when um, you when you think about presence in your dad i mean your dad's around um and and would you say that he absolutely sort of was always there. Like, is that a sort of an evolving relationship? Um, tell me about him. Cause actually, I, I actually, we've never, we've always talked yeah, about I mean, my dad and maybe that was a lot of that was, had to do with him passing. And I appreciate you being there in those early days, by the way, I never really got to voice that. Like that meant a lot to me. Like you always just extending a hand and making sure that I was good. So I just want to make sure that, that, um, that you know about that. And so I, I really, truly appreciate that. Um, but I never really, um, created the space to really understand your dad and sort of what he, what he's meant to you and what he continues to mean to you. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I was, um, I, I have always had a strong relationship with, with, with both my parents. And when you look at, you know, the, um, it, you know, if, if I had to take a page out of their book or like sum it up, it was just, you know, sort of show up and give a shit. Like they were, they were always there. Um, they were always present in my life. Uh, as far as I can remember, um, you know, from every little league game to every, like anything I've ever done, they've been there for me. So I've always felt very supported and very loved. Uh, so I feel very, very lucky in that aspect. And so my father lost his dad mm. um, when he was very young. He was 12 or 13, I think, and mm. dad died from, I think, pancreatic cancer at the time. And so, um, and it was funny, we were kind of going through some old stuff uh, of my mm. grandfather, so I, I obviously never met, and um, I found this gift that he'd given him, and, like, there was a little note in there, and he said, this is probably one of the nicest things that, like, my father ever said to me. And you know, it was the kind of thing that like my dad says to me on a, on a daily basis. I mean, I, you know, uh, growing up, he was always there to sort of help me, um, with whatever it was I was going through. And my mom was too. And it, like, it's, it's almost comical, the level of support that I received. Like I remember I was um, playing football growing up and, uh, I wasn't particularly good at it. I was, you know, and I made this tackle on the sideline and, 
I feel this this big heavy-handed pat on my shoulder and this man yelling in my ear like god tackle god tackle i look up my dad has like sprung from the bleachers like i don't know sprinted 10 yards down the field just to pat me on the back tell me like what a good tackle i made mid-game and um that sort of sums him up i mean um he's always been sort of if i try to think the number of times that uh i've seen him kind of you know rattled or not calm or even agitated i mean they're few and far between he was always just kind of steady 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 and that relationship has very much evolved from you know father son to now we're sort of just buddies and we you know um we both have similar interests you know like uh, with music or certain sports that we follow and we can sort of just talk like friends and a lot of it so i feel very very lucky to have that relationship that i do and i i try to kind of reflect on why do I have such a high opinion of my mother and my father? And, you know, what can mm-hmm. I adopt from, from what they did? It just sort of goes back to what I was saying before, about just kind of showing up and being there and showing like an earnest interest. And I, I don't know, it's just like the number of stories I have are insane. Like I remember uh, I was in grade 12 and I broke up with my girlfriend at the time, you know, first serious uh, girlfriend. And I'm just right. crying my eyes out. It's, and I come in the house like both parents are like sitting there in their house coat yeah. and they're crying and like they hug me. Yeah. And I was, I was like, going on it's like this this huge huge circle of support i always always had and i really really want to recreate that feeling in my kids that sort of led me to you know to our conversation with you about like what does it mean to be a good father and like what are the things that you know that kids look for in good fathers and um i'm sure it's not all written down and i'm sure it's not all known and there are intangibles i think about it that you can kind of sort of pick up on on like your own experiences and Anyway, so I feel very lucky for, you know, for the parents I had growing up and the relationship that I had with both my mother and my father. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. I can kind of recreate some of that with my kids, even just to a lesser extent. I mean, it's just... Um, Do you remember... I, I, um, I feel very lucky. Well, so. for you, sports, I wish I could say the same thing about me, even though I was like always wanted to be an athlete. I'm like a wannabe athlete for sure. Um, but I definitely remember early days, like the school recitals and everything. And you, the kids are kind of looking out and... And I honestly, I, I do remember there were a couple of, of my friends or other kids who, um, you know, didn't have necessarily, um, they had somebody out there, of course, right? But it, they just didn't, you know, they didn't have their mom or they didn't have their dad or somebody was missing. And, and um, yeah, I mean, my mom, she would always work night shifts um, or evening shifts anyways. And so she never was um, always at these things. And so I would think about, you know, oh, I wish my, my mom was there, but my dad was always there. So I always felt grounded in that. But I used to think, I'm like, I don't have the same feeling. Like, I don't have the same worry or like, like sadness. Like I'm sharing this with somebody and he was, you know, do you remember that? Like how much it means to you. Right. And it's just like, and so that that's what runs through my mind is just like those little things, how much they mean to, and I know for Avina, like, um, what I think her dominant lang- love language, um, you know, if that's this is already established, is is um, just spending quality time. Like when I when I spend really good time with her, like she is, she won't leave my side. Like she always wants to be there with me. And as soon as like the quality time is over, if I move on to something else, um, you know, you can see her level of engagement with me drop. And I mean, that could just be you know, kids being kids, but I think at the same time, I, I really do think that that's something she really values. Um, and so it's something I always think about of, um, 
just, yeah, like the showing up and being there um, and just putting myself back in that position of like, you know, looking out at that crowd and making sure that I am that person who who is there. But I do think about like, is like this always there? Um, is it, is it, I think it's the little things that matter, but what I try to tell myself nowadays is like, don't get too stressed over, um, if you're not every, if you're not there for every, every little thing, right? Because, um, I don't know. I just think that it's, it's, it's almost impossible. I think stressing out over it makes you, could make you distracted or just, um, I I just I, I don't know it just doesn't 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 sit right for me. I think like obviously showing up for those milestones is 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 is, is no question you got to do that and being as present as possible but I'm trying to tell myself like you know it, it, as long as you're not um ill-intentioned about it. I know that's not a word but um then then you should be fine. I I mean I I think a lot of it has to do with how hard you are on yourself. And I, I, I imagine you're sort of like me. I'm incredibly hard on myself and I know I am. And, you know, to an extent that probably isn't reasonable and probably isn't fair. And I, I think about that sometimes, certainly that there are going to be times where I am not there. And, you know, you, you sort of fail as a father uh, in your own eyes. When I first found out that I was going to be a father, a buddy of mine gave me a book called Rocking Fatherhood by Chris Cornelis. And it's a pretty lighthearted approach to, to fatherhood. And I, I really appreciated that because I'd read some books that maybe weren't so lighthearted or gave you a, a plethora of things to sort of worry about. Uh, and this book certainly isn't that. But in part of the book, um, Chris reconnects with his pediatrician from when he was a child. So this is a man who, at the time of the interview that was um, included in the, in, in the book, had been practicing for 40 years. And so the author just asks his former pediatrician what he's noticed or what trends he's seen or what his general thoughts are on parenting today. And he highlights a couple of things, um, one of which is that he says the problem these days is that most kids don't feel accepted and and listened to. And um, so the pediatrician goes on to tell the author that he found a study years ago that that showed that kids need at least 15 minutes of undivided attention every day, which doesn't really sound like much, but I sort of got to thinking about, you know, my life and particularly when my wife and I were both working in offices downtown before the pandemic. I mean, we'd get up 6.30, it would be a mad dash in the morning to get everybody ready. Um, You know, we'd all be fed and then we'd all pile into the car and on the way to work, we would drop our son off at daycare and then we would you know, work till 4.30 or so, and we'd be lucky if we were home at 5.30. And then we have to make dinner, and our son's bedtime usually starts around 7. And he's usually in bed asleep, if we're lucky, by 7.45 or 7.30. And so there's certainly days during our, you know, standard week, the likelihood that I was giving him 15 minutes of undivided attention was pretty low. And so, so that kind of struck me right like you don't need to be there for everything but you need to be there enough and you need to make sure that your kids feel included in your lives and and heard and that you want to pay attention to them and that you're engaged with them he also goes on to say that um you know there's all the important things about parenting you could probably put on a three by five card there's sort of this glut of information out there and for a guy like me who maybe does a bit too much research 
on some things when when he doesn't need to or sort of gets caught up on the negative at times all this information can be kind of a rough thing because if you look hard enough for something you're going to find it meaning that you know if there's something that my son is doing I'm a little concerned about it and I look it up I'll invariably find the worst case scenario of whatever that is and that's not good and so I find sometimes that I'm a little overwhelmed and so I sort of appreciated the the approach of everything that you need to know or you know, you could highlight principles at least of your parenting philosophy on a three by five recipe card. And the doctor's list would have five things. One is love your wife, support her in any way you can. I think that, you know, that there's some data out there about kids that come from families where the mother and father or the partners express love for each other. And it's a loving household and the benefits that that has on children. He also talks about love your baby, enjoy everything he or she does. Trust your instincts as a parent. Be sure to meet periodically with your pediatrician and don't make your child conform to your expectations. But I I really appreciated sort of the simplicity of, of his approach and the simplicity of his advice. Do you find that living in a world where um, there's a wealth of information at your fingertips at all hours of the day, has that helped you as a parent or has it hindered you in some ways? Um and of that information, um, are there mm. any salient um, points? So the first one I would say, um, I don't think I took perhaps the same approach as you did in terms of, I, I actually remember when, um, I think when I found out that you guys were pregnant with your, with your son, because you were asking me a bunch of questions. I'm like, what are you pregnant? Like, what do you guys, and you're like, you're like yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, right. Um, well, but I just—I've always known that about you—is um, that you ask a lot of questions and you read a bunch of books, and and uh, to some extent, that's um, probably a little bit of a, a a deficit for me because I just—I don't know. Sometimes I get kind of lazy with this stuff too because there's so many things out there. But but what I what I generally do is I'll look for one or two re- resources that are probably well reviewed or well recommended and and do some reading on those things. Um, but then I like, like I, I use the baby, we use the baby book a lot in the first couple of years. And, and I found the Sears, uh, insights were, were, were useful. Um, we use like, you know, the, Oh crap, um, potty training book. Um, and, and Vina was very successful with that. Um, so there's, you know, there's, a, I would say I could count the number of books on my hand. Like I didn't read too much, um, and I don't know, part, part of it, I felt like there was a little bit of just trusting yourself and, 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 um, and then, you know, my wife has a health background too, so that helps too. But I mean, not like she deals with babies or kids, but at least there's, we both have some health understanding, which was helpful to kind of cut through some of the noise perhaps. And, um, but again, it's a brand new experience. So. I mean, I'm not giving you a concise answer here, but generally I would say that I, I probably didn't saturate myself too much with information um, because I would have a much harder time to be able to cut through it um, and figure out, okay, what's right. And I definitely did not watch a lot of YouTube videos or read a lot of social media um, because again, just, I th- um, and sorry to maybe, maybe I'm kind of going on a rant here, but um, my training, my physical training background, like, I don't know if you know, I used to, I used to, you know, train athletes and such 
back in my kin days. And, and each person is so individualized. And I think I always um, internalize that approach. So I knew that, okay, just because one parent is having success with this, you know, and they're saying great things on a YouTube channel, that's not always going to apply to my kid. And, um, but I know there's some foundational and fundamental things that are probably going to hold true. So I, I tried to really like the resources that I read, I always kind of questioned the fundamentals and made sure I understood like the mechanisms and why things were happening or whatever. And that really helped clear things up for me. I forget, I forget the second question though. Uh, any kind of like salient points that, mm, that sort of came uh, through that, that have stuck with you? Don't remember, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I, what, what I will say though on your, uh, on uh, your um, yeah, totally. little cheat sheet that you kind of read before you asked me those questions, was interesting though, number three was check a pediatrician, go to see the pediatrician, <laughs> given who wrote the book, but uh, which makes sense, of course, but it was just funny. Uh, but the fourth one about expectations, I mean, I think we could probably have a whole podcast on that, right? Just like your own personal expectations and when those things don't happen, you know, how how detrimental that could be to your own mental health. But then having expectations of your kids, I think that's something that my wife and I have been very conscious about, I would say, over the last eight to 10 months is just, um, you know, especially when you hear, oh, my kid is doing this and or um, or thinking about where they should be on a growth stage or their development. And and, you know, we try not to pay too much attention to that. We just kind of live with her and make sure that we give her the conditions for um, that in, in which she can thrive and then kind of kind of go from there. So I think we're really conscious about the expectations part and, and not holding that against her. Because I think she'll see, Avina would see right through that and, and that could probably sit with her for a while, especially if she feels like she's not measuring up. I think this has been a great, uh, a great talk for the well, first one, to be honest. Like I think um, I, I was really pleased with getting to know more about your parents Um and uh, the story about him uh, when you tackled someone, although I was a little surprised because I know you told me that you're you were a quarterback. So I don't know what you were doing unless you like gave up the ball and were scrambling back and having to tackle somebody because you got intercepted or something like that. I don't know what was going on there, but I've thrown my fair share of interceptions. Uh, no, when I was I played one year okay. when I was in, in in high school. I was a defensive back for one year. And then transition to quarterback. Little so neon Dion, right? Were you? A pretty sweet tackle. <laughs> 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 yeah. I was a beanball man. I'm like, I'm like six four, hundred and sixty pounds. I actually in okay. high school I was about I was six three and one hundred and sixty pounds. Wow. And so, and I'm twenty pounds heavier now than I was back then. So if you think about, <laughs> yeah, so not the most intimidating yeah, guy yeah. in the football field. That's well, thanks, man. I appreciate the the chat. Um, I think we're gonna try to do this once a week and see where it goes uh, but it was a lot of fun and uh, we'll yeah. continue this next time